coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township. It's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. What's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most, and I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. Guys, I am phenomenally fly today to share this incredible story I have for you today with this awesome guest. Today's guest is a national youth speaker, youth minister, rapper, and spoken word poet from Metro Detroit who travels across the country to schools, churches, colleges, and youth groups spreading a passionate passionate message of peace, love, equality, tolerance, kindness, and understanding. Also, a lot more great stuff on here, but I will let him touch on that. Uh, today's guest is Kevin Zwala, a.k.a. Mr. Peace and Mr. Peace, so glad to have you all with me today. How are you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? I'm doing very well, very blessed. Dude, I'm so glad to have you on. Um, I was just thinking earlier, you know, when I first met you at, at Reaching Higher, which I'm actually volunteering in again right yeah. now, okay. over, over at the um, Milford High School. So we have two more oh, sessions nice. left for that. Okay. And... And obviously, I always wanted to get you on back then, too, and then yeah. through whatever reason, just didn't work out. But I'm glad to have you here today. Um, for sure. Just really excited to dive into this conversation. And and just for starters, I'm just going to keep calling you Mr. Peace because I just love the ring of that. All right. What, no worries. <laughs> what is your journey? I know I talked about those those great yeah. things that you're doing, but like, how did you get to this position where you are today? Right. Well, it's been a crazy journey. Um, you know, it kind of, I guess for me, I've always been very driven, uh, very on fire to always give 110% to whatever I do. But it wasn't really until my senior year of college at U of M in Ann Arbor that I started finally following my own dreams and, you know, what I really wanted to do with my life. I was kind of following others dreams for me up until my senior year of college. And I had this like big wake up moment. I went to a workshop called challenge day and it was a three day workshop where you got real, you know, with 50 strangers, people that I didn't even know. And this was down in Toledo, Ohio, you know, 25 men, 25 women. And, you know, I got closer to these 50 strangers than I was with my own family, you know, because we got so real and we lowered our, water lines and just really got very vulnerable with each other that we kind of became family. But we also started saying, you know, what do you really want to do? And I remember two of the facilitators, I told them, I said, I want to be a speaker, you know, and a true leader. And they said, well, you're already the speaker that you want to be. 
And it was like, all I needed was one person, one person telling me that and believing in me. And I was off and running. And so I finally like started doing things that made me come alive and following my purpose. And I went back to my old high school, South Lyon, Michigan. And I started talking to each class because I was so on fire and my sister was still there. And I said, Hey, can I come speak to your class? And she's like, yeah. And then every teacher heard about it and they wanted me to come talk to their class about things I wish I knew back then that, that, that I knew now. And then I started speaking to pretty much every class in the school. I did a full school, school assembly. Other schools started hearing about me and I had always loved speech class. Um, you know, and that was just kind of on my heart. So I wanted a way to connect to people. And now it's through that. It's through my heart. It's through humor and now through music too. And so it's just been like a roller coaster ride where you meet this person, you meet this person, you get this opportunity, you keep honing, honing the website and honing the message and, you know, you keep building and growing and, and it's just awesome, you know, for how much you give, you just receive that much more. And, you know, out of college, because I couldn't really do this full time yet, uh, financially, I ended up going into the auto industry and I went to college for economics. I got my MBA from Wayne State University in Detroit, but my heart wasn't really there. You know, I, I you, like you can't put a price tag on passion. And so I ended up leaving uh, in 2010 to go after this full time. And it's, and I haven't really looked back since. It's just been an amazing journey. You know, I've done some youth ministry on the side too at a couple of churches in the area. But on my off days, my off weeks, I travel the country and get to share my heart and hopefully bring some healing to hearts that need it. See, to me, that is just so incredible because I see you as someone who is fulfilling his life's yearnings. And, and just going back to that, that, that moment where you went to the retreat over in Ohio and then you yeah. came back to, you know, start speaking over at your uh, high school. Just talk about like what that experience is like for anyone who is saying, gosh, I, like, I want to be a speaker too, right? Yeah, and yeah. I don't know what to say, what to talk about. I, I feel like I'm going to get up in front of the audience and just like completely blank. What, where <laughs> were you drawing like your, your source of inf in inspiration and like your preparation yeah. to even do something like that? You know, I mean, all of us have a story, right? You know, and I think the greatest tragedy, like my speaking mentor, Jim Tooman, here in Michigan also has always talked about is that the greatest human tragedy is to die with, with the music still within you. And I just, you know, had this fire, you know, I didn't necessarily, necessarily know where it was going to go, but I knew that I wanted to inspire others. And it was like the first time in my life where I really started feeling fulfilled. And I just remember coming back from that workshop and just thinking to myself, like, I'm finally doing things with my life, you know, not, not maybe, you know, what I want to do yet, but I'm being who I want to be for this planet and, and, and for this world and my community. And that's the biggest thing that I could just focus on is having this heart to help others. I knew that my heart was for the youth, that it, you know, really truly bleeds for them. And I wanted to do something to help them. And, you know, it, just to empower them. But now it's turned into something bigger than that. You know, I do a lot of suicide prevention and anti-bullying and you kind of go like where the issues are and where the need is. And I reached a point too that, yeah, I, I would get very, very nervous at first, but you reach a point where, you know, what you have to say needs to be said, needs to be heard. 
and you go with that motivation that what you're saying or sharing that day in an auditorium of 2000 or a gym of 3000 students, you know, that somebody there has to hear that and that they're going to be open to receive that message and you might even save a life. No, I love hearing that. And, and I remember when we were talking, you know, just, just over the summer when, when we lost a loved one, uh, Shelby Seaburn and, and just what you said to me in that moment was like, we got to do this. You know, this is, you know, the time for, for people to, you know, really live, live in their purpose and, and, and do those things that, that light them up. And like from there, at that time, I really hadn't been doing the podcast as much just because right. just for whatever reason, I just couldn't find myself back to it. But then like talking with you and then, and then seeing like, you're right. This, this is the time to do that because you just never know what's going to happen. And, and I want to be able to make sure that at least I can control my, my circle of influence and continue to yeah. push out, you know, what I'm doing with the fulfilling last yearnings videos that I'm doing every day for Instagram or even having these, these, these candid interviews with incredible people like you who have, who have a message to share. Uh, going off of that, for you getting into this space as, as this speaker and, and you're going to these different events. What, what for you has been the process in you like establishing like what your voice is and like your, your true authentic self? Like, how did you come to that point where you're like, um, like for me at, at the beginning, I was kind of like unsure like what my voice was and tried the different right. ways to like get, get to me. Like, what did you do for that, um, process and work? Well, I guess like the best advice you know, that I had received in terms of, you know, how do these kids relate to you? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you relate to somebody when you're the only Caucasian, you know, in an entirely Hispanic school or African, you know, African American school or, you know, in schools that are really high in crime or just, you know, high in, high in violence, you know, how do you relate to someone that is in so much pain, but, it comes down to you yourself getting as vulnerable as possible. And I guess when I look at it, that people don't care, you know, what you have to say until they know how much you care. Mm. So from the, from the gates, I mean, these students, you know, they know instantly that I have something vested in, in, in who they are. And maybe I haven't gone through the same storm that they've gone through, but I have gone through my physical challenges and financial and emotional and mental. And, and I, and I share that. I mean, I get very real with them, you know, that I went through battling hepatitis C for a year in 2010, you know, and I lost 50 pounds in a month and I was in and out of ER. And, um, it was my hardest year physically on this planet, spiritually. And, and the list goes on, you know, I went through a series of four deaths right before that happened where I was at these funerals of people that I think died at too young of an age, some to drug overdoses, some to drunk driving incidents. And and then after that, post that, I had lost four more, two uncles and two grandparents, all within the same calendar year. And my heart was ready to explode and I became numb and I stopped kind of caring, you know, how I treated people. I stopped caring about a lot of things, but, you know, going back to what you said about Shelby, um, and this new round of, I guess, this new series of 
deaths that came up to me in 2017. It wasn't just her. I also lost a friend of mine, Egypt Covington, and people that are from Southeast Michigan and have been down 275 or I-94 will see the billboards that she was murdered in her home back in June, shot, and they still haven't found out who did it. So they're still trying to seek justice for her. But I lost a friend of mine, Irene Kopko, 103 years old, Memorial Day weekend. And right before her, uh, my wife's aunt, Aunt Linda, who was 70. And um, within 24 hours, I lost my uncle JC and he was 81. But, you know, it was just, it was kind of different, this series of deaths and why I'm bringing those up and, and the ones from 2010 is that I finally woke up um, and this was after everything culminated that, that year in 2010, I had this epiphany moment. I was held up at gunpoint. Uh, my cousin and I in Ypsilanti, Michigan, outside my apartment, and we had two pistols cocked at our stomachs and told to empty our pockets by guys in hoods and, and masks. And she was pregnant. And uh, it was a moment that flashes before your eyes. And I started finally in this instance, just finally kind of waking up and saying, you know, what do I really appreciate? What's really important? Where am I going in my life? But also finally understood the best way to honor these people's legacy that have gone before us and to make sure that they didn't die in vain is by how we choose to live today, by how we choose to treat others that no matter how full our heart gets of pain or hurt or loss, we can still choose love. And we can still choose to honor who they were, that they still live on in our hearts and through our words, that they really aren't gone. In fact, I believe that they're even closer because now there's no more pain and suffering from my beliefs. And they can be even closer and give that unconditional love to us in that spiritual world, too. And so that's kind of where I'm at, um, you know, that finding my voice, it started with me getting real. But really, in terms of me actually being able to share the realities of my life that I'm human and I go through pain, but that's what unites us. And we have billions of nerve endings in our body. So we will feel pain at some point in our life. But again, we always have that choice, how we're going to respond to it. Yeah, that is so deep and I so much resonate with that. So thank you so much for sharing sure you know, just, just that part and, and giving more context to, you know, what makes you up. And also wanted to talk about, you know, I know you're also the founder of, you know, being who I want to be, which I feel ties in, ties into that. Um, how, how did that come about? And, and where do you, and then where do you find the biggest impact? Is it just in the yeah. schools that you're working with for students? Or are you also, you know, tying this into people in the community who also want to, um, you know, find and live in their soul purpose? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, you mentioned, uh, helping out with the uh, class there at Milford mm -hmm. with the reaching higher, you know, and that's eight weeks where you build these students up beyond belief, right? Give them self-esteem, confidence, public speaking skills, life skills. And you have a huge impact over this eight weeks, right? Maybe a bigger impact than I have initially when I first, you know, speak to a school of a thousand students, right? But what I feel I'm doing you know, as I'm kind of sparking their hearts, I'm like starting to spark the change. I'm starting to get the ball rolling and the wheels turning and, you know, them thinking about, you know, where they're at. And if you can already start thinking at 12, 13, 14 years old, you know, what do I really want to do with my life or what 
or like what angers me, you know, like what injustice out there do I want to solve? You know, maybe that's where you're, where you're being called. But I also focused on that being who I want to be when I first started that LLC back in 2009. Um, it was to help at-risk youth, but more from the perspective of focusing on who you want to be for this earth. And that by doing that, that's how we're going to solve issues, right? If we fill the spots and the jobs and the careers and the needs based on where our passions lie about who we want to be and who we want to be remembered for, then we start solving these world's problems a lot faster, right? Because if you're just doing it for the money, you know, money buys temporary happiness, but there'll never be enough of it to be completely happy. And it's got to be part of the motivation because you got to live, you got to pay bills. And it's a great thing that can bring a lot of joy to people's hearts and um, can bring a lot of relief, you know, to disaster areas too. So I, I don't deny its its purpose, but the love for it, like First Timothy says in the Bible, right? That it's not greed itself that's the root of all evil. It's it's the love for it. And if that starts to be your only motivation, then you know you'll never be completely happy. And so I'm really happy to announce, though, that even since uh, I filled out your online form with my bio background, I've since become a 501c3 nonprofit. Congratulations, Mr. Peace Inc. Nice, Mr. Peace Incorporated. So um, it's it's pretty sweet. Yeah, I it was about six months in the making. And so I've kind of taken the next step um, to become a nonprofit. And the goal there is to start applying to certain grant opportunities um, to help with child welfare and suicide prevention and be, be able to go into these schools potentially free of charge that I have the sponsorship or the financial backing of certain institutions that can say, hey, you know, go and speak for a month out in South Dakota or down in Arizona and, you know, bring some healing to these communities. And, and that's what I'm really trying to do now because the reality is, yeah, I mean, unfortunately schools sometimes have no budget or limited budget. And I don't try to break the bank when I go out and speak anywhere. I just, you know, obviously have to make a living too, but, uh, you know, the biggest thing is I want to share my heart. So yeah, well, I always work within the budget for sure. Cause it's a priority to get this healing message heard. Yeah, that is incredible. That that is just so needed, and and it just goes to attest to the the work that you put in, and and how much this means to you to continue to you know serve and 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 go to these schools. And before we actually transition into you know talking about you know suicide prevention and also the anti anti bullying and diversity, what what is the you know the the lifestyle like for you as far as like how do you set your your day up or even your week to to do you know these 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 talks or even like your your other works that you're involved with and and just how do you manage to 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 get it all in it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um i tell people you know and obviously being a youth pastor uh saint mary's church here in milford michigan um, coffee and Christ. Mm -hmm. That's how I do it. Um, but no, I mean, really it's, uh, a lot of planning, you know, it's, it's kind of working, you know, two, two jobs right now because, you know, my off days, my off weeks that I get, um, to take, to go speak and share my heart. There's a lot of background planning that happens with that. I have a few companies that book me, um, mobile ed productions out of, Redford, Michigan and Catholic media group out of uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And so 
you know, then I also book myself, but I mean, it's just, it's kind of chaotic because, you know, people think, well, yeah, you, you know, you're just going to go speak at the school, but you know, the 10 conversations back and forth with the school counselor or the principal to set things up, to make sure you have the right time and all the details ironed out. And then you got to sometimes book a hotel or book a plane or, you know, you got to change things, you know, things happen, snow days, whatever it is. So a lot of these bookings, you know, they'll be almost a year in advance mm -hmm. and you're already getting your schedule laid out well in advance. So I guess time management's key because mm -hmm. I mean, I have to, you know, plan my youth ministry calendar around going and speaking out in Pennsylvania or out East for a week or out in Milwaukee or down in Texas where I'm heading next week, uh, Houston, Dallas and Austin area to bring some more healing down there. And I'll be out West again in March and then up towards Oregon in May. So it's just kind of like, you know, I'm in 15 States this school year alone. And I've now been in 20 States, um, since 2006, like the last 10 years. And I've talked to close to a million youth and over a thousand schools. Um, so it's been really humbling. And again, I'm beyond blessed to be able to even do this and have the opportunity that I do. But, you know, the tears that come after I talk and the kids come up to you and say that, you know, you saved my life. And if you weren't here today, I wouldn't be here tomorrow. I mean, those conversations are happening more and more often and tears are strength. They're, they're the sweat of our strength and, and the start of healing and feeling again. And, and I, you know, I don't want to say that I'm just brought into schools to make kids cry, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's kind of the reality of, you know, what I do, but that's, I guess the, like, that's the fuel to my fire and the motivation and going back to those series of deaths that I've had in my life too. And that you've had, I mean, you can either become something that keeps us down or something that is just more motivation for what we do and why we have to do it today, you know, and take the steps every day to keep going towards our purpose and feel fulfilled. Cause, cause we don't know, I mean, there's no guarantees, right. And we don't know when our last breath is going to be. And we got to take advantage of that. So true. And, and just talk about just for a minute as well, like what has it been like and being able to, you know, get in the right environment to surround yourself with people who are uplifting and encouraging you and, and want to see you, uh, fulfill your soul purpose was, was that a challenge or were you able to easily kind of, you know, navigate your way through those different those different moments of uh, doubters, but also being able to tune them out and, and, and find those core group of people for you? Wow. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it was it was one of the hardest things I've had to do in my life uh, when I left um, Federal Mogul, the auto supplier here in, here in Michigan, and they're all over the world too. But it was 2010, and I was really contemplating. Um, you know, I had gotten past my treatment. I had come out successful uh, with hepatitis and it's still almost a decade later non-traceable in my body and i tell people i was healed physically but even more importantly i was healed in my heart mm. um but i remember i just finished my mba and i had some money saved up and i was at this point like i gotta try this now you know i didn't really have any financial obligations i didn't have a family yet and i was just thinking i said i gotta try this because even if i fail um i got something to fall back on and I got, you know, I'm still young enough to make the mistake and not have it be as hard to pick back up where I was. But I tell you, man, I was with my friend Dave at a place in Ann Arbor, like a restaurant. 
And I remember like the week before I was about to tell them that I was going to be leaving. He's like, this is the hardest thing that you're going to have to do in your life. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he said it again and again and again. And I'm like, okay, like I get it. But it was because I was leaving a full-time job. I was leaving benefits. I was climbing the corporate ladder. I was making a lot of money. I, you know, I mean, cushy lifestyle. It was, things were looking great. And, uh, now all of a sudden I just jump ship, you know, this leap of faith where I just left everything and went after my dream and my calling and took a huge pay cut at first. Um, that was tough. And I had people, yeah, I mean, my, you know, people that I cared about the most that said, how are you going to support yourself? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Like 21 questions. And I said, I don't know, but I know that when I'm doing this, you know, every fiber of my being is 110% alive. I'm on fire for life. And I said, I will make it work. You know, like I'm that on fire for it. And I have, and I struggled financially at first. And over the years I've had haters and people drinking haterade mm -hmm. instead of that power rate. No, but, uh, just people that say, you know, like what you do is whack and you know, why are you doing this? And you get people that post on your, on your YouTube videos or send you Facebook messages or have hate. And I tell youth, you know, I mean, it doesn't really phase me anymore because there's a lot of opinions out there and not all of them matter. And what matters is that, you know, your own worth and your own value and your own skill set, and you focus on your own gifts, right? Cause comparison is the quickest road to unhappiness. And I don't try to do that anymore. I just know that this is what I have. I have the effort, not the outcome. I believe that's up to God and, you know, we can love only he can change. And that's kind of what I focus on, you know, every day, just doing my best. And then I rest. I love all of the things that you were just saying that, and that the, after you said that last one, I was like, yeah, compare to compares to despair. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm right on with that as well. And, and thank goodness you were able to tune out all of that stuff because what I was talking about the other day on, uh, for one of my videos was that it's, since you were feeling like this sole purpose and even for me or for anyone else that's listening in, it's like so selfish for you not to express and to share your voice and, and to do those things that Mr. Peace is saying that light up every single fiber of his being because if he wasn't doing what he was doing, then how would those kids that the schools are bringing in to have them cry, have their aha moment to realize I am worth it. And I don't want to go through with, you know, committing suicide or harming myself or not believing that I can accomplish anything. So that goes true for Mr. Peace, for, for me, for you listening in, like it's, it's so important that like you taking everything that he was just saying there, like, everyone has a opinion but not not all of them matter and like for me what i say is you know framing your mind taking taking this stuff that is helpful for you you don't want the fuds who want to throw out you know fear and and uncertainty and and doubt because those things aren't aren't gonna help you you know fulfill your life's yearnings and and off of that mr peace just talk about you know your your programs, because you said that, you know, it's all about, it's, you can do the effort. It's not about the, the outcome. God controls that outcome. Mm -hmm. What, right. what is it when you're going to a school and, 
and you're doing the, you know, the suicide prevention, like what, like, what is it that you're, you're saying to the students that, that gets them to have these, these epiphanies or even to realize that, that they deserve to live and, and how does that for even someone who's listening in who wants to bring in a speaker, what, what are the things that the, the schools that are bringing you in are, are pointing out is like, yeah, this is what we want you to get across. And we know that this was valuable for us to bring you in. Yeah. Um, all, all good questions. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I, you know, I get brought into schools. Um, sometimes it's prevention related. So whether that's bullying or suicide or self-harm or, race issues, diversity, violence, right? And then on the other side of things, I'm brought in to help heal. So if unfortunately, you know, someone did take his life or weapons were brought to school or whatever the issue is. But to me, and what I share, you know, that these are the symptoms of deeper issues going on. Like Those are the byproducts, right? Of people that are in pain, people that are alone, people with no purpose, people with voids, I mean, if I'm talking at a faith-based school, you know, it's people with no faith. And, and so you gotta, you gotta address like the, like the root issues first, right? If you're even gonna try to help with the other issues, cause otherwise you're just putting a bandaid on it and it's gonna just keep happening. And so some of the things that, that, that they respond to are just stories and testimonials that I end up reading of kids their age. You know, and this goes from kindergarten up to 12th grade. I got kids in third grade that had one kid, you know, that came up to me and pulled something out of his pocket after my talk. And it was a note. And it said, I'm a mistake. And this is a third grader, you know. And I had another third grader come up and say, you know, like, what makes you happy? Mr. Peace, what makes you happy? And I said, you know, going after my dreams and you know, doing this every day. And she's like, well, because I haven't been happy for a long time. And this is a third grader. But yet on the flip side of this, after my presentations, they realize they don't have to stay in that unhappiness or choose that label that somebody gave them and believe that lie. The student I spoke to, the other third grader named Dylan, he said, I want to choose that I'm a miracle. And you know this from from the reaching higher classes, but you know, every one of us on the palm of our hands with the, with the lines of our hand have, have, have the letter M etched on our palms. Right. And I always jokingly say that it stands for Michigan, especially <laughs> when I'm down in Ohio and I got kicked out of Columbus once for saying that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, no, but it stands for miracle and upside down. It stands for worthy. And for these kids to see that, like at a young age, it's huge. And, I remember like, you know, him saying, I don't want to believe that I'm a mistake anymore. I want to believe that I'm a miracle. And this girl, Natalia, that said that she's not happy. She said, she came up to me afterwards and she wrote something down. She said, you know, don't let the world change your smile. Let your smile change the world. Mm. And it's like, and, and when, when like a 10th grader hears this or whoever hears this, or like I share, you know, one student that drew me a picture of the miracle and like on his hand and the peace sign and he said, you know, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Peace, for giving me something that I've been searching forever to find a reason to stay. And this is a 10th grader 
His name was Danny. But when other students see that, like their hearts just become open. You know, I pick about 10 or 12 bracelets before every talk. And I have thousands of these. But every one that I've been given was from a student that said, if you weren't here today, that I wouldn't be here tomorrow. And so when they start seeing these things and that like the reality is there and and like things are real and oh my gosh, like I'm going through that same thing. And some kid in Connecticut or in Wisconsin or California is going through the same thing and I'm here in Indiana, like I can relate to that and I can buy into this because I've never been called a miracle. I've never been told this. And for people to believe that it's huge. And unfortunately, you know, when they get called this, called that, it's not like food poisoning where your body rejects it, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that if if you're told this, you many times your heart and mind don't know the difference. Whatever you tell it, it's going to believe. And so you have to be able to say, no, like that's not the truth. And hang, like going back to the last question you had is, you know, be around people that are going to build you up and not tear you down. And that your true best friends are the ones that are really worth your time and are going to respect you no matter what. Right. Like I heard a quote the other day that said the most contagious thing in the world is a, is a negative attitude. And that's true. And for those, for those kids that, that you have that, that privileged opportunity to, to speak with, uh, what, what is it that you share with them for now once they have, now their heart is open and, and they do see that they're worthy and that they do, that they can live for a passion and a purpose. Like what are those next steps that you start sharing with them, uh, to move forward uh, right. with their life and to continue to grow? Yeah. I mean, it's something that, you know, me coming that one hour mm-hmm. isn't going to be a cure all. Right. And it's mm-hmm. not going to fix things forever. What it is going to fix is, hopefully their angle of vision, like how they approach things. But, you know, for example, you know, I've had kids that reach out to me, you know, send me a DM on on Instagram or send me an email and they say, well, you know, two weeks later, you know, I'm still getting bullied and I'm, and you know, I was brought in with, for the bullying. I said, look, the bullying might change or might, might continue, but how you approach it, your response is what's different. I had a seventh grader that emailed me named John said he got tripped in the hallway by this bully two weeks after I spoke and he stood right back up, walked over to the bully, shook his hand, smiled and said, have a great day. Mm. And the bully's mouth, like while he's shaking his hand, dropped and everybody watching like their mouths dropped because they expected him to run away or cry or fight back and fail. And he did the exact opposite. The thing that this person needed the most, he showed him love. Mm despite all this hate that, you know, the, like the hate that he was shown. And so for us to actually, you know, have that courage, you know, to respond in that way, he got his power back from the bully and took away the power, his, his power over him. Right. But he also found out the next day that he had two parents who were alcoholics and abusive. And that's why he was just basically reflecting what he was taught. And I tell people, I, I, I don't come to talks, trying to pretend that I know what goes on behind closed doors because I don't, I come with an open heart trying to touch a small piece of theirs. And that's a big thing that I really reinforce with them is, is, is the heart element that they've been hurt. Right. And that's why they're self harming themselves or others. And so 
they don't want to keep their heart open again. They don't want to get hurt again, right? And the, and, and the tendency is that if you feel alone, you feel threatened. And if you feel threatened, you want to be more alone. And it's a vicious cycle. But I tell them, you never have to go it alone. I mean, from the faith side of things, our Savior needed help carrying his cross, right? So what does it tell us about us, that we need him, that we need others? But they never have to go it alone, That whether it's me believing in them and being in their corner. And I tell them, if they reach out to me, I don't always get back to them right away, but I always get back to them. That's my promise. And I also tell them I don't have all the answers, but he does. And he speaks through me. And, you know, I share what's on my heart and I try to reflect what they already know, that, that they're beautiful and that they're miracles. And sometimes just got to be, be reminded of that. And if they are suicidal to that point, it's not going to be overnight fix. You know, I got people, f- friends in their 40s that still revisit those thoughts, but they know their power over those fears, you know, and they know who to go to, who to confide in, you know, what to do in those instances that if it comes back and it and and they will come back, you know, that you can hopefully respond to it with a whole different mindset and a different approach and be more apt to reach out for help when you need it. But I love that you said that too, um, to preface the answer that, that that hour you spend with them isn't isn't the cure all. But what I look at at what you're doing, right, is you're going in there and 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 installing a new, you know, framework for them to now look at the world differently that they're in. Like you said with the kid who was tripped by the bully and he goes up and shakes his hand and tells them to have a, a you know good day thanks whatever and and like now they're they have these situations you've you've put within them this this incredible transformative framework on how to look at things and and not to react but instead to give those people what they're lacking most because like you say hurt people hurt people right because they haven't got that love so to me i that that's just so incredible and you're right it's it's not gonna have those immediate effects right then and which is why even after you speak or or anyone speaks like we need to always continue to work on ourselves and to for sure and 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 do these things you know you're gonna wake up and brush your teeth every every day you don't just wake up brush it at the beginning of the year and and never do it again that's just not gonna be good for Right. Anyone and like and that's the same for this and always reminding yourself of these things, you know, that that self talk, what are you saying to yourself? Like for me every morning when I get up, I I call it my fly ritual. You know, I do the same stuff every morning, get up, you know, do my chants, my incantations, my my, my positive words, say them in the mirror to get myself ready and primed for the day so I can 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 be my best self and that hasn't always sure. been the case for me you know i've had days before i really have embraced this lifestyle of really focusing and working on myself where i would get up and i didn't want to get up and would just feel horrible about myself and and so doing this for me is is even constant daily kaizening that i make sure like it's it's a non-negotiable i have to do this every single morning in order for me to, you know, to, to be the best and that I, that I know I'm capable of being every yeah. day. Exactly. And I mean, it's like habits, right? I mean, it takes consciously working at something like 30 days, like to make a habit or to break one. And, um, I guess pulling in the hip hop side of things, since I 
Love that. And that's a big way that I relate to youth and am able to kind of share something deeper is, you know, I gain that respect with them, with that talent, like the spoken word poetry I do too, to take the message like at a deeper level. But talking about the fly stuff, it's just like our buddy Lloyd Banks said, I'm so fly. So maybe that could be the new theme song for Blake Soule. That he's so fly. Um, I did a remix to that once. I was like, I'm so full of courage and life mixed with that discipline and self-control. But um, I just love music. And, you know, I love, you know, what, you know, what you're doing. And I want to take a second too in the show just to honor you. Um you know, for what you've been through and how you're still choosing that positivity. Um, I think that's the examples that we need to really be showing people. And, you know, if you're having an off day to let people know that too, I mean, to be that real with someone, it's, it's huge. And I think that's what the schools I visit, you know, the ones that where the kids are really responding the most is where the teachers really care. And so does the, I mean, from the top down principal, down to the janitor, you know, I mean, people that these kids, like they got so much coming on their hearts, you know, people in general and, you know, how are you supposed to teach them algebra when they're living with, you know, no parents or grandparents or trying to worry about their next meal. And it's like, you got to reach them at that level first. And once you do, you know, they're, they're going to be more apt to buy into whatever the teaching is and whatever the life lesson is. That's so true. And, and just to piggyback off of your, off of your music love and, and the rap, how did you, you know, get into that? What's, what's, what's your story for that? Uh, Weird Al Yankovic. (laughs) (laughs) He was kind of the start of something that just kind of continued. Uh, you know, I remember back in like second and third grade, like at summer daycare, we had to alternate between ace of bass for the girls, <laughs> like on a cassette tape and then us playing weird Al. And, um, I just, I, I basically started just writing parodies at a, at a young age. Like that's just all I did. You know, I'd rewrite stuff and do my own parody and, and then, you know, they were usually like more like comical and stuff. But then, you know, I started getting more into my purpose and self growth and everything. And back in 06, I started doing a lot of freestyling and just getting like into rap circles, rap battles, more like positive ones, not like demeaning ones, but just like other artists just going back and forth, you know, and went to Artist Village over in Redford a lot and met some people that were in the industry kind of. And I remember I started writing a lot of poetry. And then my one friend said, Hey, do you want to like make a song about this one poem you wrote? I said, yeah. And my first track took me like eight hours because <laughs> I was chopping it up and you know, you got to fit the right amount of syllables and like they call it the hood ear. So you can like, you know, like what sounds good to you might not sound good to someone else. But mm-hmm. I started finally looking and realizing, okay, here's, here's how you get the breath flow. Here's how you get the airflow. And then I just started performing and you know, I probably failed a bunch and, missed up, you know, on some lines here and there, but then, you know, you get so good at freestyling, you just start filling in the gaps if you did forget something and nobody would know. And, and then it just kind of became like this fun thing, but also just, you know, the thing that I realized 
I was pretty talented at and I could start doing as like an additive to the talks that I give at schools and, um, or the performances that I do and it's starting to change hearts. So even some of the music that's really positive and uplifting, um, you know, that's really helped people get through their storms too. So it's kind of been a cool tool to, to, to just be able to share that as well. No, I love that. And, and you hit it right there too. And you were just talking about the, the failures and even when you go through those moments, like how do you continue to, uh, to break through those and and like how does that play a part in the message that you share um with anyone i i just be like our good friends uh tom brady and matt stafford nfl <laughs> quarterbacks nfl quarterbacks have a short-term memory mm-hmm. um you know i mean more from the standpoint of yes we're gonna fail yeah and that's okay and but so many kids i always ask them you know what's the opposite of failure and the, or sorry, what's the opposite of success? And they say failure. And I say, no, it's, it's quitting or giving up mm-hmm. because I tell them, I said, just cause you failed does not make you a failure, right? Like you can't fail unless you quit. And I give them so many examples, like under the sun of famous people that have failed just to finally succeed. You know, we got Thomas Edison took him 10,000 tries to get the light bulbs working and his teachers were labeled as calling him too stupid to learn anything. Right. You know, Albert Einstein, uh, his teachers called him retarded, you know, and the guy was a pure genius. And if they really believed all this, like they wouldn't have amounted to anything. Like Oprah was told that she was unfit for TV, you know, and now she's, you know, a billionaire. I think Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe was told that she was unattractive, couldn't act, right? Decca Recording Studios cut the Beatles, Beatles label and said guitar music is on the way out. And it was the worst decision ever because they were the top, top grossing band of all time. I mean, just, I mean, it was ridiculous. You know, Babe Ruth, all time, one of the all time leaders in home runs, but also in strikeouts, right? So you have to try. Michael Jordan missed all these game winners, buzzer beaters, said he failed over and over and over and over and over and over again to finally succeed. I mean, just so many famous people. Maybe the biggest one I tell people, jokingly, kind of, was, uh, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> um, and I got to visit where he was buried, uh, same cemetery, uh, Cave Hill over in, um, Louisville, Kentucky, same as Muhammad Ali. But, uh, I got to go there cause I was talking to some middle schools this past school year down in Louisville. And, uh, it took him a thousand nine tries to get his recipe accepted, you know? So I'll joke with the students and say, can you imagine if he stopped at a thousand and eight that, that, that we wouldn't have KFC. So, I mean, but it's just a, it's just more fuel for our fire that, you know, we, I mean, so many people have done that, but they don't believe it, you know, like it's like, that's not going to define them. And I think for me, it's, it's been the same thing that, you know, like you give a talk and, and like, you're just off that day. And that's the other reality. It's like, sometimes I'm dead tired giving a talk. Sometimes I got other emotional things going on in my heart when I give a talk. Sometimes, you know, like I'm fighting a cold. I, I mean, it, cause it's, it's, it's one of those jobs too. Like you can't call in sick, you know? And, and so it's, it's important for me to stay healthy, but also, you know, to get rest, but also to stay grounded. You know, every talk I give, I'm in the, in, in the bathroom at, at the school or wherever I'm at before my talk and I'm on my knees and I'm asking the Lord to anoint my lips and I inhale Jesus and I exhale Christ. And I just tell him to use me as his imperfect instrument to, 
you know, speak truth to the hearts, the minds, the souls, the spirits of these youth. You know, it's the same prayer every time. And I feel that I am anointed and I, I am just led sometimes to deliver this much needed message and, you know, share this, share this passion with all these, all these youth. No, I love that. That is, that's incredible. So for you, when you're just out of curiosity too, since, since you have this incredible pack uh, schedule that you are yeah. managing, uh, managing well, what, what are your hours of sleep and like, when do you typically like to go to sleep and wake up? I just don't sleep. I just, uh, I just keep going, man. I just keep going. No, I'm joking. Uh, it, every week's different too. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting better at the balance side of things. Believe me, I am. Um, but it's one of those things like, for example, I had a talk in Cleveland this past Tuesday. So I had to get up at like four 30 and be out the door by five, you know? And then other days, you know, I had my interview with you today at 11 and, uh, I got to sleep in until like eight 30. <laughs> so that was nice. Um, but I am trying to take, you know, like a down day, um, after and like making sure that if I just drove to and from Louisville or Gettysburg or wherever I'm speaking, that I'm not speaking the very next day back here in Michigan at 9am, you know, that I'm going to have that down day in between, you know, speaking and doing this other thing. And obviously I still have my responsibilities at the church. Those are first and foremost. And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting better at saying, okay, realistically, what can you do? Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you technically speak till you fall over? Yeah. But then are you giving a hundred percent of who you are? No. And whether I was doing that full time or not, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, what you're doing, that you're able to give a hundred percent towards. And, you know, that's where, you know, I'm, I'm at right now is, you know, I, I want to make sure that the passions that I have and the things that I'm doing along with making my marriage a priority and spending time with my wife, Samantha and, you know, my own family and friends and having that social life too, that I still have that balance and still have time to exercise and, you know, watch my favorite TV show, which is the good doctor, Dr. Sean Murphy. I love that show, man. And, and the beat at the beginning of the song, I get pumped up. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you too, cause, cause obviously you still have a, a life and, and you enjoy that life. So just talk about, you know, even, even with, you know, the, you know, working as a youth pastor and, and doing the, the, the speaking tours, what are those things that you just, just enjoy doing outside of, um, those things? Yeah. You know, one of my friends, maybe a few months back, this is before I even started my speaking tour for this year, he had said something to me. Um, I just couldn't hit like our schedules, mainly mine. Um, just wasn't syncing up, you know, like we just couldn't hang out really. And, um, you know, he had something that really he needed to talk about like in person. And once we finally did, you know, I was really upset at myself, you know, for not making that friendship a priority. Um, but he said, you know, and not trying to put me down at all, but he said, you know, are you working to live or are you, living to work. And I really thought about that for a second because I mean, gosh, I mean, you know, I love, like I said before, I mean, 
I'm not any more alive than when I'm in front of a packed gymnasium, you know, at a school and ready to give all I can to, to these young people. But I was, you know, living to work and, you know, yeah, I got to pay the bills and I got to support my family. And there's certain weeks that are crazier than others. And I just, you know, bite the bullet and deal with it. Mm -hmm. But, but, um, I'm trying to find more time, you know, for me, you know, whether that's playing basketball, which I love. And I'd love to go against the Sule brothers one time because I heard that they were really good back in high school there. Oh, we can do um, that. <laughs> <laughs> kayaking, uh, living off the canal there in Commerce Township. You know, we love kayaking, um, walking the dogs, you know, spending time with our fur babies. Uh, you know, friends and family just, you know, being able to just kind of chill out and hang out like on the deck or have a good meal together or, you know, go for a long walk or a run. Um, you know, even, uh, for me, like creation is big, you know, like I got to have time to create, whether that's poetry, music, a new album, um, books that I want to write, you know, I, I got to also make time for that too. Cause I'll go crazy if, if, if I don't have that time or that outlet, you know? So those are just things that kind of help me stay centered, obviously, you know, my faith too, and making, got a priority, um, you know, that I'm weekly honoring him and, you know, continually every day, basically, you know, reflecting on a Bible verse, I guess that's kind of my fly, fly ritual in the morning is, you know, staying centered around like a certain verse or two that kind of speaks to me and becomes my, kind of becomes my motivation for that day. No, I love that. And I know that you'll be able to continue to do that because even, even for me, early earlier on like i would be so i don't know i would be anxious if i wasn't working towards towards what i was doing but like now as as i'm continuing to grow and like and finding those moments like what you said where you go do those you know, those other things to to just like refresh and recharge like playing basketball going kayaking like for me that's working out doing my yoga or yeah you know going going somewhere new to explore and like you know doing photo shoots is just something that that is still fun for me that i can do with other people but but also has like those moments of like creation and also excitement and, and something novel whereas it whereas i i will be like i watch like the good doctor because i love that show and like <laughs> you know catch the catch the, the golden state game whenever they're playing but, like yeah. if i'm doing <laughs> if i'm on the college for too long or or doing something where I'm not thinking as much, then my mind will literally start racing. Like, all right, I got to do something. So even when yeah, I'm not sure. doing these things, like you said, trying to make sure I'm still staying engaged and involved with, you know, friends, family, and and continuing to make those uh, yeah. memories as well. So I love that you shared that. And just before uh, we wind up here, just want to take this yeah. moment to honor you and 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 thank you for everything that you've been doing and, and coming on here, sharing your, your journey and your story. Uh, I'm extremely grateful for that, uh, for you taking the time out to, to spread the message and the love over here on fulfilling life's yearnings. Um, so just again, thanks for that. Yeah. And also, uh, two, two final questions where yeah. the first one is, where can we, you know, stay engaged with you. I know you're, you're, like you said, you have new music coming out and yeah. even books in the works for the future. Um, how can we stay involved and engaged with what you have going on? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, probably the best place to you know stay in touch, and we're actually just about to relaunch uh, my website, a little more mobile-friendly version and a little more sleek too, um, probably by the, by the end of this year. But um, mrpeace.org, mrpeace.org. Um, all my social media is there, um, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. Mr. Peace 101. And then I got Instagram, Mr. Peace Geese. And I always say, why geese? Why not? <laughs> um, but, you know, also, if you ever, if anybody feels called, you know, to donate um, to the nonprofit now, everything's tax deductible. Um, any donation that will go to uh, giving a school, you know, an assembly free of charge to them or at a reduced rate. So that's where all the money's going for that, uh, for the nonprofit now. So that's on there. But if you want a book, you know, and bring like the healing message to your school, your community to see videos, to check out, you know, what I do live. Um, there's a lot of that on the website as well, just to stay in touch. And, uh, you know, that's where any of the new projects will be released and things of that nature. Um, I'm around, you know, Southeast Michigan. So, uh, St. Mary's in Milford, uh, that's where I'm the youth pastor at there. So, any middle high school youth, young adults that want to be active, you know, in their faith or just, you know, reach out to a group that's all about love and feeling safe, um, feel free to contact me there, too. And before I leave, uh, I did want to maybe just share a spoken word verse, if that works for you. Absolutely. That I think really ties into, you know, what you're doing with this show and this podcast and, you know, the life that you're living, too, Blake. Um, before you blink, you're all grown up. And life has passed you by because you weren't fully present. And then you wonder why people are dying with the music still left inside and wishing they found their purpose at age 25 or 32 or in their eighties, really anytime, just so long as they found it before their last rites. I've had friends tell me peace. I need something besides the drugs. They want to get involved in serving others out of love. Then other buddies who have asked me for more volunteer opportunities so they can bring some more cheer. They want to get more than they have been, especially to kids living on the streets or in an orphanage. So do something major, minor, heck, do something drastic. Just do something, but please don't wreak no more havoc. And while you're at it, now that you are spiritually awoken, make sure to change those around you through every word that's spoken. Word. Word. I love that. That was Mr. Peace. I'm Blake Sway. This was Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. And Mr. Peace, that last question, yeah. what is your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings? I think just doing you. Um, I think really, you know, what this world needs are more people that, that have come alive. And I think what this world needs, too, is more people that are themselves. You know, it's the age old quote, be yourself because everyone else is taken. But yet we try so hard, you know, to fit in or to be someone we're not just to look cool or just to, you know, not have to stand out or just because we're too afraid to, but it takes so much energy to be someone that you're not. And I think if we can be able to put down the mask, you know, to get real with ourselves and who we want to be for this planet and what we really want to do, what brings us life and take the step, you know, move past the fear, feel it, but know our power over it. 
that we can really start making huge differences. Cause I mean, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do is helping others find their purpose. That's my purpose. And one of my purposes, and I think yours too. And that's what it's about, you know, is to fulfill, to fulfill life's yearnings, whether it happens at age 20 or 60 or 80 or 90, at least it happens. Right. And we want it to hopefully happen sooner than later. But, um, I think it just starts with having that courage to step into the unknown a little bit, a little bit of the fear, but knowing that you get pushed to that edge and you aren't going to necessarily fail permanently. You might a couple of times, but you're going to eventually fly. That's flies. So guys, thanks again for listening in. I'm Blake Slay. That was Mr. Peace. Make sure you guys are going out there and breaking your chains framing your mind and getting out of your merry-go-round syndromes so that you can go out there and be fly and as always make sure to go to fulfillinglastyearnings.com to see all the latest episodes we have come out and also make sure to subscribe to the vip newsletter so you guys can continue to stay engaged and continue to grow in and just a place for me to be able to connect and and share any sort of new um, thoughts I have or even insights from these episodes that I'm having with these incredible fly guests so as always I love you guys go out there and be fly, 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 fly.